Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new Flyers Daily for the 24th of January as the Flyers will be back in action tonight to take on the Los Angeles Kings game number for the Flyers, 49 of the season. They've played 48, a record of 20, 21, and 7, 47 points. They're minus 22 in goal differential and 6-4 and four in their last 10. And on the home ice this season, Flyers actually been better on the road. 10-12-1 on the home ice, 10-9-6 on the road so far this season. It's the Kings coming to town tonight. We saw the Kings on that West Coast road trip around the holidays. Flyers got a 4-2 win in Los Angeles against the Kings. They're sitting right now in the third spot of the Pacific Division of the of the Western Conference. They've played 49 games. They've got 58 points, one point back of Seattle, but Seattle's played three less games. And by the way, we'll see Seattle for a home-and-home, home, a rare West Coast, East Coast home-and-home home, uh, coming up after the break. But the Kings, uh, 26-17-6, and 58 points. They are 5-5 five and five in their last 10, minus 8 in goal differential. And on the road this season, uh, they have a record of 12-8-4. So it's the Flyers and the Kings tonight. And the Kings, a team that's set, certainly taken a step forward. They've got some good young players. Still got some sage veterans on the team as well. Obviously, you think of a guy like Drew Doughty, still getting it done, uh, playing for this Kings team. He's played in 48 of their games so far this year. He's got 29 points, 3 goals, and 26 assists. But it's been a kind of a changing of the guard up front. Andre Kopitar still playing well, 12 goals, 25 assists, 37 points in 49 games. Uh, but Kevin Fiala leads the way, point-per-game player. He's played in all 49, 16 goals, 33 assists, 49 points, 11 power play assists, 6 power play goals. So they've turned a lot of the guys over, made a lot of changes, uh, got some good young players, like I said before, guys like Byfield and more on the way. They make that addition of Philip Deneau, and they're a team that can uh, um, certainly look like they're in prime position to make the playoffs in the Western Conference. Uh, many have come for Jonathan Quick to try and dethrone him. Um, none have succeeded in total as of yet. He's finally in the final year of, I think, what was a 10-year contract, and Quick's played the bulk of it for him. 26 games played, a uh, record of 8-11-4, and an 884 save percentage. Guy that, even at this point in his career, still competes like crazy. Always been a big fan of Quick, the way he plays, the way he approaches the game, but he is also 37 years of age. So we'll see if it's Quick tonight versus Carter Hart at Wells Fargo Center. Obviously, Felix Anstrom played the game the other night for the Flyers after the first three goals that were scored against him, really three that he didn't have much of an opportunity on. Flyers come all the way back in that game against Winnipeg, get it tied at three, and then that kind of just slow roller along the goal line ends up going through Sandstrom and in. And, you know, in yesterday's episode, Bill Meltzer and I talked about it. I think it's a very frustrating goal, uh, not only for Felix, but for the head coach as well. So let's get to a couple Twitter questions. And, you know, some of the stuff that I'm seeing on social media about, you know, oh, they should... Uh, trade or just get rid of Felix Anstrom. See, the one thing about doing that is goaltending is not like other positions in the sense is that you don't have this plethora of organizational depth that you can tap into like you can for a winger, center, or defenseman. The goaltending position, you don't have that many guys. So you can go from a team that 
has is settled and looks good depth-wise uh, with goaltending to being a team that all of a sudden really quick is in real trouble when it comes to depth goaltending. And some people go, well, it doesn't matter if he's with the Phantoms or whatever. Send him down and bring up Sam Harrison. Well, there's a couple reasons. Number one, Sam Harrison is going to get more playing time there. And he's a guy that was injured most of last year, played very little last year. So playing games is important for Sam Harrison. And as long as he's here with the Flyers, Carter Hart's the number one guy. He's going to get games, but one of about every four. Where down there, he can get about a four-to-one rotation the other way. So that's important. That's number one. And then number two, obviously, you have to put Sandstrom through waivers. I think he'd probably clear waivers. But if he didn't, and you already have Grosnick out down there, and remember, Erson was out most of last year injured, then all of a sudden you could be going, uh-oh, we're in trouble from a, a, an organizational depth standpoint with goaltending. I love the way that Sam Harrison played when he was up here. You guys have heard me be very effusive with my praise of him and his game and his mental approach. But I think it is more important for a goalie to play more, especially when he barely played last year. And I also think it's very important for the organization to protect itself if somebody else goes down or something else happens. So this notion of you, know, you need to send Sandstrom down or you can risk getting rid of him or losing him because you have Arison, well, that can change real quick. And to me, playing Arison and not risking losing somebody that doesn't have to pass through waivers seems like the prudent approach. That's my thought on the least. Uh, let's get to Nick Hankins' uh, DM. He shot me a note and said the following. He said, should the Flyers, this is a DM, by the way. He said, should the Flyers be looking to buy this trade deadline? He says, I'm not saying for a playoff push or for this season. He said, my reason is this. There's potential bargains out there for the Flyers. Some teams seeking to be the worst team possible uh, for this season may jettison a good player to improve their odds of getting into the uh, Bedard sweepstakes. He said, I think trades like that, Timo Meyer or trading Provi for a top-end right-hand D from the Kings, these would bring uh, long-term improve us. He said, also, we should still maximize value from expiring contracts like JVR, Brown, Braun. Uh, this idea is trade these players for assets that could help us pick up a piece or two, either at the trade deadline or in the offseason. Well, Patrick Brown and Justin Braun are not going to yield you any kind of value that you're going to be able to package then into a piece. I mean, you're looking at a fifth-round pick for either of those guys because Braun's not even playing. Patrick Brown, I mean, he may provide some penalty-killing, fourth-line center play, good character, but it's going to be depth for a team. So you're not going to get value there that you can then turn into another deal to get something of value. I mean, you'd obviously be giving a lot more than that. I know you're insinuating that too, Nick, but um, JVR, you may be a conditional second-round pick based on how much he plays, how far the team goes, those kind of things. Um, but as far as buying at the trade deadline, no, I'm not into it. I'm not buying pieces at the trade deadline. I got another note from a guy asking me if I would be interested in making some sort of deal for Elias Pettersson with this year's first-round pick because it may fall between 7 and 13. Um, first of all, I'm not taking this year's pick out, even if it's with a 6% chance to land Bedard. 
I'm not doing that. As much as I like Elias Patterson, um, I don't like him that much. And I'm not making that deal. Because this draft, I will get another Elias Patterson. Plus, Elias Patterson is already getting paid good money. Any pick that I have this summer is not getting paid good money. Now, there's an unknown because I don't know what that player is going to turn into. But no, I am not trading. I'm not in a buy situation really under any shape or form, which is why I think any player with contract on it that does potentially get moved, whether like you brought up Nick Provorov or Hayes, whoever, any player that's got term left, I'm not really interested in doing those deals now because I think they're more off-season deals. So... You know, I don't think you're going to be able to, to swing those kind of deals in season. And again, I'm not buying. I'm not buying at this deadline. I mean, unless something absolutely bowls me over, I'm not buying. And I'm not giving up my 2023 first-round pick because, because the lottery odds say that I'm going to draft probably around eight. I'm not doing that. I still keep the lottery balls in there. And knowing that with this draft, presumably whatever I trade him for, I'm not I I'm gonna get at least that good of a player in this very deep draft. So I mean I'm looking for a player that like Kyle Connor, who was taken fifteenth overall, gonna score forty this year. I'm looking for a player like David Posternock was taken twenty fifth. Yeah, those players happen every once in a while, but this draft is apparently special. So if I'm drafting eighth, I'm going to still get a good player. So no, to, to your question, Nick, I'm not entertaining the thought of buying at all. I don't think it's a buy situation. You know, there's been a lot of extending going on at deadlines for the Flyers the last couple of years. I'm not extending and I'm not buying. Those are the two things I'm not doing at this deadline. Now the deadline's coming up on March 3rd, but I'm not extending and I'm not buying. That's my philosophy on it, going into March 3rd. All right, Flyers tonight taking on the Los Angeles Kings. We'll break it down tomorrow. Flyers-Kings tonight, can they sweep the season series? So we'll find that out tonight. And we'll break it down tomorrow on a brand-new Flyers Day.